At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year. Oh, no. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the CarCast, coming to you... On Friday, December 18th, after USC lost in the Pac-12 title game, 31-24 to at the Coliseum, uh, this is Rain of Troy Radio. I'm your host, Elisa Aratola. I am still flying solo here, and quite frankly, um, I don't know how much energy I'm going to have for this particular car cast. Um <clears throat> I, yeah, I have thoughts. Um, I'm sure you guys do too. So let's just vent them all out here. First, I got to take care of some admin. Uh, Obviously, you guys know where to find us. Uh, Find us on Apple Podcasts, on uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Omni Studios. Um, We're always looking for you guys to leave us a review to support the show. Um, Give us five-star review and we'll read it on the show. Uh, in in one of our mailbag segments at at some point when we get back to normal on these uh, on these podcasts, but um, you know we're we're always out here trying to deliver uh, you know what we can. It's been a really difficult month for Michael and I, uh, just from a health perspective. Um, so we appreciate you guys all still listening. Uh, we appreciate you guys all still supporting us and all the messages of, of support that we've gotten. Um, I really apologize that we weren't able to to put out a, a show after the UCLA game or ahead of the Oregon game on Friday night. But um, 
like I said, it's it's been a difficult month, and uh, this past week has been a difficult week. And I and I don't know if that is contributing to the way that I feel right now. It probably is. It certainly is. Um, I'm not in a great mood. I don't feel well. Um, and it's it's very frustrating to watch a USC team do what USC did on this Friday night, losing losing to this Oregon team. Um, and I know I'm not the only person who's frustrated. Uh, I see the tweets from everybody. I see the people in our in our Slack crew talking throughout the game. I I I don't know how anyone can be satisfied <laughs> coming out of this game. And so I I recognize that the the way that I feel right now it is valid. It is it is coming from a from a place that a lot of other people share. Uh, but I also pride myself on being rational and taking a moment to have a deep breath before I say things um, to try and give the benefit of the doubt where it can be given to try and understand the difficulties that USC faces or that a sport, you know, any sports team faces and that it's not so simple as, you know, not everyone can be Alabama. Um, So I don't want to ever go into an episode feeling like I could just be super negative without, without cause or, or without balancing it out with, you know, there are considerations to be had. But frankly, I don't I don't feel like giving USC any credit for the, for this game. I don't feel like giving USC any credit for this season. And I I don't know if that's fair. Um I may go back and listen to this later and I may change my tune by the next time you hear from me. I may, you know, pop an ibuprofen get some sleep and then wake up tomorrow morning and feel a little bit better. Um, I mean, God, I hope I do, but if that happens, then, then I'll, I'll, you know, you guys are, you guys are hear me, hear me on the next show. There's a reason we do a fallout episode. We do the car cast for the immediate reaction and we do the fallout episode so that we've had time to clear our heads to watch the game again. I do the rewatch, um, to, to get a second look at, so what, what was I right about and what was I wrong about and all of those things. Uh, and I, and I, and I take pride in doing those things, but I, I gotta tell you, I, I don't, I don't have anything nice to say about USC tonight. And I, Am in a I'm in a weird headspace, so bear with me here, as uh, as we get through this car cast because um, I'm I'm having a little bit of a dark night of the soul as to what the future holds for USC. Um, obviously, obviously, it's disappointing to lose the Pac-12 title game. Like, it's just disappointing, straight up, to, to lose the Pac-12 title game. Um, it doesn't feel right to lose the Pac-12 title game. Like, if you were writing the story of this season, uh, this is not the ending that you write. You, you don't write the loss like this. Like, the, the, the script was supposed to be 
that even when USC screws up and plays poorly, Keaton Slovis gets it done in the end. And the game was set up to, I mean, it it was there. You know, USC got the ball back down seven with five minutes to go in the game. And it felt like, okay, here we go. USC is going to do that thing. They're going to win a Pac-12 title that they frankly, that they deserve to win the Pac-12 title. And we're still going to know that this team is flawed. We're still going to know that that they are not at a national level. We're still going to know that they aren't worthy of a playoff spot. All of those things we were still going to know. But it was going to end with USC being crowned Pac-12 champions, and at least there'd be that. At least there'd be that at the end of this, at the end of this tunnel. At least all of the, you know, the angst of this season would have would have led to something. And instead, it's uh, it 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 just ended. It just ended in the most unsatisfying way. Uh, like part of me almost part of me almost thinks like would it have been better for Oregon to just carry on in that first quarter and blow USC out and then we could have just gotten over it by the end of the second quarter and you know gone on with our days and I would have had a whole second half to sort of process it and just go well that's that's that but instead that's not that's not the way it played out and USC sort of strung everybody along again and this time they didn't pull off the trick and so it feels like the the it just feels extremely unsatisfying to get to this point and to have USC fail so completely. And I'm never, you know, before the season starts, Michael and I are always having this conversation. What defines success and failure? What is a fair way to judge those things? You know, Michael is always cautioning against you know, if if you don't win the Pac-12 title, it's a failure. Or if you don't win nine games or whatever arbitrary number you want to put on it, it's a failure. And we are always in agreement that it depends on how you get there, right? Like if you lose a few games by, you know, a point each, then it's different than, you know, losing two games but getting blown out the way that USC did in 2017, you know? Like, the the way that things unfold, the way that things happen, they do matter. And that should come into play when defining whether or not a season was a success or a failure. And and a lot of times I fit into the, into the idea that, you know, there's a line between success and failure and there's sort of a gray area where you can be successful in, in some way and fail in another way, but sort of be in that in that gray area. And I think maybe if I were in a better mood, I'm, I might be more willing to declare that that USC is somewhere in the middle. They, they still were five and one. It's been a really difficult season. Uh, I saw Gerard Martinez was was pointing out on Twitter that, you know, Clay Helton supporters will say that. USC lost the game after really difficult circumstances. They played three games in 13 days. Uh, Oregon had a week off to prepare for USC or to prepare for whoever they were going to play. They were fresher. USC was not. Uh, it was a, It was just, it's been a weird season. And I, I will be, I think, willing to extend that grace to USC a little bit down the line. But like right now, this feels like a complete and utter failure of a season. 
And it, it really comes down to this was a USC team that did make make it through five and zero, that did manage to pull off so many so many close wins, and have those moments where they dug deep and they got it done, and for them to lose the Pac twelve title game to a four and two Oregon team to to a two loss Oregon team. Well, they were three and two coming in. That's a two-loss Oregon team that USC just handed the Pac-12 title to. Uh, it, it was a season where you know we always expected it would come down to USC and Oregon, and in, in in the end, but the way it came down to USC and Oregon at the end was was unacceptable to the degree of of handing your most handing your biggest threat in the Pac-12 from a recruiting standpoint, from a resources standpoint, everything like that. USC is in a is in a a cold war with uh, with Oregon. They are in an arms race with Oregon and to let the game unfold the way it did, to allow a two-loss Oregon team to come into the Coliseum and beat you on your home field in the Pac-12 title game, the most important game of the year. When your quarterback plays the worst game of his career, when your defense, your best players on defense are making the biggest mistakes, when your receivers are dropping passes and you're getting penalty after penalty after penalty and you have special teams issues and you're wasting timeouts in familiar ways and you are... are playing sloppy you are not adjusting to what the other team is doing you are playing the same brand of football that is familiar to any USC fan who watches this team and knows that there is no system there are just good players and they go out there and sometimes they make plays and sometimes they don't but they have no structure around them propping them up and you it just it's so irritating to watch Oregon put together what looks like a coherent offense. And that offense isn't that good, by the way. Their quarterback isn't that good. And the one thing they have going for them is that they are coherent, that they know what they're doing, and they do it relatively okay. And that's that. That's the difference. And, and USC just... You know, when when USC brought in Graham Harrell, it, the thing I liked about the idea of bringing in the air raid was it's a, you're going to do the air raid. You're not going to do gumbo anymore. You're just going to you're going to do the air raid. And it feels like USC has reverted back to gumbo or maybe it's not gumbo because it's not necessarily what they're trying. It's backyard football where the the game plan is go out and make a play. Well, when your quarterback is having an off day then the go out and make a play thing isn't going to work. And when you're facing a defense that has really good players like Oregon's defense has, they've, they lost a lot of guys, but they still have really good players to build around. And USC makes the inexplicable decision to not address those players directly, to just go out on the field and say, we're going to do what we're going to do, but... Kayvon Thibodeau, you do whatever you want to do and, and wreak havoc in our backfield, no problem. Like, I get I get if USC wanted to come in and say, we think Jalen McKenzie can handle Kayvon Thibodeau one-on-one. One on one. I get 
that if USC wants to do that, they can do that. But it was clear very early in this game that Jalen McKenzie could not handle Kayvon Thibodeau. It was extremely clear early in this game. And yet, on the most important drive of the game, at the end of the game, USC again, repeatedly, over and over, has situations where Kayvon Thibodeau is one-on-one with Jalen McKenzie. That is not fair to Jalen McKenzie. It is not fair to Keaton Slovis. It is not fair to anybody on that offense. To, to sit back and say, okay, this guy is, is killing us. Let's not double-team him. It, it, it shows a complete lack of awareness on USC's part. And it, it just, it does my head in so much because these are the, these are the, these are why USC is where they are. This is why USC is where they are because they don't have elite minds in their, in their coaching staff because they don't have guys who will learn and adjust and, and figure out on the fly, okay, this is what we need to change. Or they don't have somebody in a position of authority, whether it's Clay Hilton or Graham Harrell or Tim Trevno or anybody, literally anybody. Could be Vianney Talavai. I don't know. Anybody to stand up and say at halftime, at the break between the first and second quarter, at the break between the third and the fourth quarter, at a timeout, at any moment, hey, Kayvon Thibodeau is killing us on the edge. Maybe we should double team him. Maybe we should stick a tight end in there to chip him. Maybe we should devote a running back more often to to go in there and be dedicated to just block him along with an offensive lineman. Maybe we should do something that will mitigate that problem and give our tackle a chance, give our quarterback a chance, give our receivers a chance to go out there and make the plays they need to make. Instead, they continued throughout the game to act like it was going to turn out okay to have Kayvon Thibodeau be blocked one-on-one, if he was blocked at all, because there were moments in this game where he was not blocked, which I have no idea how that happens, because I don't know. I've heard a lot of teams talk about USC's players. And you always remembered that they would talk about how there's always a guy paying attention to where Reggie Bush is. There's always somebody paying attention to where Ronald Jones is or where Juju Smith-Schuster is or, or whatever. That everyone knows where that guy is. You're scouting that guy. Well, why isn't USC's scout team? Why isn't why is it not somebody's in a, a black number five jersey and everybody on the offensive line is aware the number five is over there. Let's make sure he doesn't destroy us. But that's I I don't know. The, no coach seemed to recognize it. Or do anything to, to to stop it, and I know I'm I'm focusing on the on this one element of the game, but like this is the element of the game that is infuriating, because this is the element of the game that is that permeates everything that USC does. This is just an example of what is wrong with USC and what continues to be wrong with USC. That they won't adjust to these things, that they can't seem to figure these things out. And you know what? If it was a one-off, 
it's a one-off. But Kayvon Thibodeau killed USC last year, too. So what were they expecting? Like, it's not like they were able to turn up and go, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, he's actually not that good. No, he's literally that good. He's been that good this season for Oregon. I saw somebody tweet that every other team they'd seen uh, double-teamed Kayvon Thibodeau. Well, yeah, no kidding, because he's that good. Guess what? Other teams double-team Marlon Tupelotu because he's the guy you have to take care of. Other teams double-team Drake Jackson because he's the guy you have to take care of. Why isn't USC doing that basic thing? I mean, I have theories. I think USC is stubborn and they continue to. This is something I've talked about in the past. And and it's such a frustrating thing that I think USC thinks they're better than they are. USC thinks, well, our right tackle should be able to stop anybody that's in front of him. Well, I mean, in a magic world where you have a great, you know, you've cloned Elijah Vera Tucker and put him on the right side. Yeah, sure. Maybe that's maybe that's how it works, but it's not how it works in the real world. And for some reason, USC isn't able to understand that or acknowledge that or plan around that. And it's just so damn frustrating when you watch a team week after week and you can forgive them for these some of these mistakes when they're out there winning because at least you can lean back and say, okay, well, you know, they figured out a way to win. It's very frustrating to see them continue to play below their level, but it's a difficult season. I'll cut them some slack. I cut USC a lot of slack this year, I feel. And 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 to have cut them slack and then to have this end up the way, like, I'm not surprised that things happen the way that they did. Not surprised at all. This is par for the course. I think I'm mostly mad at myself because I think I fell for it again. And, like, I'm tired of falling for USC's bullshit. It's, I mean, it's in my nature. I'm, I, I tend to be a, a trusting person. I tend to be optimistic. And... You know, you get burned and it really sucks when it happens. But like, this is what USC does. This is what USC does. They just they reel you in and then they crush you. And, <laughs> you know, uh, it's 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 I don't know how else to describe it. I don't know how else to describe how I feel right now, except extremely frustrated. And and I'm going to talk a little bit more about why that is, which is, a I think, a big picture thing that uh, we're all going to have to have a group therapy session about when, you know, when the, as, as events unfold over this next month, month and a half. But like, what a frustrating game. What a frustrating game to see so many talented players play well below their level. I think that's, that's the, uh, that's the frustration it's it's the classic, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. I mean, I'm a little bit mad. I'm a lot disappointed. I'm a lot frustrated. But this USC team, these players are so much better than they were tonight. Talano Hafanga is an amazing player, and he was great again tonight, but he's better than he was tonight. And USC's defensive linemen are better than they were tonight. And I don't know if USC's linebackers are better than they were tonight, but... They sure could be put in better positions. And USC's receivers are certainly 
better than this team shows. And Keaton Slovis is better than he was tonight. And everything about this team should be should be beyond where they are. And yet they're stuck. They're stuck at this in this stage. And stuck is very much the word to reflect on there because this group of players is slightly different than last year's, which was slightly different than the years before, which was slightly different than the year before and slightly different than the year before. But they're all living the same nightmare along with us. And the only difference is that they get to move on occasionally. Most of them, I mean, gen- they do get to move on. While those of us who follow USC, who cover USC, who make USC our lives, we don't get to move on because we're suckers and we get drawn in every time and we're stuck in this nightmare. And it's interesting because in my COVID-filled haze, I've been doing a lot of sleeping, none of it restful, by the way, but doing a lot of sleeping and it's and I've been doing a lot of dreaming and I don't dream very much. Not that I don't dream. I tend not to remember my dreams. I can tell I'm not sleeping well when I remember my dreams and I have remembered my dreams over the last three weeks pretty vividly. And they've all been not like they're not nightmares. They're not like, uh, you know, being chased by a serial killer, which I have had that nightmare before. They're not the kind of thing that you wake up in a cold sweat. They're not the kind of thing where you wake up and you're jolted awake and you're just like, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, thank God that's over. But they're the kind of dream that's just just disturbing enough that you are conscious in the dream that like this is wrong. There's something weird going on. This like this is weird. But you're in it enough that that it just keeps going and it go- goes and goes and goes and goes and you like this is the way I dream. I don't know if you guys are <laughs> if any of this makes sense to you, but you know those kinds of dreams where they're just realistic enough that you stay in them, but also unsettling. Those are the dreams that I've been having, and I wake up from those dreams and then realize that like th- there's a parallel to what USC does. Like, USC isn't so bad that it's a, it's a nightmare. Like, USC isn't Michigan. USC isn't Florida State. It literally could be worse. I'm saying this to people all the time. It literally could be worse. But USC is in this, is in one of these dreams that is unsettling, just not bad enough to wake you, to startle you awake but just strange enough and weird enough to have you off balance and to deny you a good night of sleep. Like, I don't know if that's a good analogy, but <laughs> to where I'm at, to where I'm at. Um, I'm going to, we're, we're going to stop here for a little moment uh, for me to take a, a nice sip of my water for you guys to all take a, you know, deep breath and maybe, maybe like, send good vibes or something like that to uh to me and to all your fellow trojan fans but we'll take a quick break here and then come back and talk about the big picture and the core reason of why i think i'm so depressed right now all right let's get back to it let's talk this out 
let's have a little, I'm going to have a little solo therapy session. Y'all can be my, uh, my therapist for today, in case you hadn't already noticed that you are. Um, why do I feel such a weight on my shoulders right now as I talk about a football game and a football team, which in the grand scheme of things, I mean, it doesn't matter. This is the, the lot of being a sports fan is that these things don't matter. These are trivial matters. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, there are bigger things going on in the world. Um, and I'm not just talking about COVID, you know, life, work, family, day to day, uh, the, the real things in, in, in your life, taking care of a house, walking a dog, you know, all, all of those things, they're all inherently more important than this stupid little game that we follow. But we're emotionally invested. And, you know, when I say those things about about sports, I'm not trying to, like, minimize sports because sports are a huge part of my life. I'm, I'm not trying to act like they don't matter because they absolutely do. We, we build them up in our minds to be these huge things that take over and impact our mood and impact our the quality of our lives. And I always laugh at how, like, why do we let these things, why do we let sports have this effect on us and it's you know it's it's probably there's there's some psychology around you know chasing that the glorious moments and you know and so you put up with all the the crap um I don't know maybe I can liken it to to hiking which hiking I love hiking but you know 90% of hiking is is misery like you you know at least the hikes that I do I don't do short stuff I do like 16 mile bull craps up mountains and most of it sucks because you're pushing your body to the limit but the view from the top is uh it's always worth it that's what I tell people that it's you know it's worth the 16 mile slog and the foot pain and the exhaustion and you know struggling to breathe at altitude and all those other things it's worth it because of the view at the top because it's so good the view at the top and I think that's what sports are like too it's it's the thrill when things go well is so addicting it's so gratifying that we put up with all of this you know frustration and angst and and uh, depression and all of these things we put up with it because we're chasing that that high to to just you know phrase it one way and I think the reason that I'm so despairing despairing right now is probably because there there is no light at the end of this tunnel um I don't know where USC goes from here I don't think it gets better from here and that's a really depressing thought to have. And I, I am, I'm not trying to depress anybody. It's just, I got to work my way through this, guys. I have no other way to talk about this. Um, USC finished the season 5-1. and one. It's objectively a good record. They won the Pac-12 South. It's objectively an achievement. They lost the Pac-12 title game to a two-loss Oregon team, but there were mitigating circumstances. 
that USC will be able to use to move forward with the status quo. And it almost would have been better if this season had gone worse because then with the full force of everything I have, I could sit here and tell you that USC should fire Clay Hilton and move on and hire somebody new. I don't give a crap if it's Urban Meyer. I don't give a crap if it's Matt Campbell. I don't give a crap, frankly, if it's Jack Del Rio or any other bad hire that USC could make. I just need something different. I need something different if USC is going to continue to make mistakes and be bad, I need them to do it in a different way than this same old, same old, same old familiar story that we've seen from USC over the last five years. I just need something different, even if it's not better. I mean, obviously, I'd want it to be better, but I need something different, something something to be a change of pace. If USC is going to lose, I want them to lose in an unfamiliar way. And maybe I'm asking for trouble there because we've seen USC lose in a variety of ways over the years and they all hurt. And so maybe I'm just sort of doing some bargaining uh, here <laughs> to try and convince myself that it can be better or different or whatever it is. But I find that I really need something to change. And I got to be honest with you guys, I don't think anything changes. I think that USC goes forward knowing it's 5-1. and one. I think that USC finishes the season ranked 20-something, something in you know, 24, 25, whatever. I think USC ponders the future and, and has no good reason from a financial standpoint, to fire Clay Hilton. I think that uh, USC isn't bold enough to do that. I think USC's donors aren't bold enough to do to force that hand. I think USC's financial situation this year is probably not great, given the COVID uh, uh, hit that all the athletic departments in the country are taking right now. I don't think USC's administration is... Uh, is is are the kind of of bold decision makers who would just go out there and tear things up and you know start start from the ground up i just don't think that's what's uh what's coming down the line for usc and so i've sort of settled on this on this very you know sad reality that you know strap in it's another year of this Next uh, next September, we're going to walk up, hopefully walk up to the Coliseum. And hopefully there will be fans in that Coliseum. I think there will be, but, you know, I don't know how many will show up because I, I don't think anything's going to change. I think USC is going to be very easy, very easy to talk themselves into, well, got a little bit better this year, which objectively it did because 5-1 and one is better than 9-4 and four or whatever you know, win percentage you can put out there. And I think, I think nothing's going to change. And that is, that's tough for me to swallow right now. Um, especially when you consider that like, this was the last game we're going to see a lot of players in or you know maybe the bowl game but the bowl I don't even I can't even look ahead to a bowl game at this point like I don't even know what to expect but 
you know, Talano Hufanga, this is this is probably the end of the line for him. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker, it's going to be the end of the line for him. I think Amon Ross St. Brown, we probably saw the last game for him as a Trojan. Uh, Marlon Tupelotu has good reason to leave after improving his stock this year. Um, Isaiah Polamal could go. Um, Elijah Griffin could go. I don't. I don't think that would be out of the poss- realm of possibility. Um, Tyler Vons could. I mean, I don't know what he'll end up doing, but he certainly has the option to go. And yeah, USC is going to go into next year with Keaton Slovis. And man, am I looking forward to another year of seeing Drake London be awesome because he is the single best thing about this football team right now. If you just took out all of the other stuff and put together a, a, a highlight reel of any time Drake London touches the ball, um, you'd, you'd, you'd end up with a pretty cool little, you know, package there. So there's that. I mean, I'm excited to see Brew McCoy continue to develop. I'm excited to see the, the, the really talented players that USC has available to them continue to go out there and, and make plays. But I'm also... I'm also sad because I don't I, like I would love to see Drake London succeed at a higher level than I think USC is 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 capable of carrying him. Um, I'd love to see Keaton Slovis succeed at a higher level than USC has proven capable of 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 carrying him. And uh, maybe that'll, you know, uh, hang on for another year and you know, dream of, of, of 2022. I, you guys know now, if you've been listening that Michael and I have gotten into F1 this year. Uh, and one of the things about F1 is that they're introducing new regulations that are, that they're hoping are going to even the playing field and, and make it more competitive at the top and, you know, create a little bit more, uh, parity and equalize some things. And, the plan was, you know, to to institute those regulations and then and then, you know, run from there. But then COVID hit. And so they delayed it by a year. So instead of the regulations coming into play for the 2021 season, they're going to basically hold still for 2021 and then go forward into 2022 with the new regulations. Now, what that means is that the status quo continues in 2021 which, you know, not to get into tons of F1 talk, but that essentially means that Mercedes is going to run away with the uh, with the championship again in 2021. And everyone's just sort of waiting for 2022 for when the things will change and and things will it'll hopefully spark some more competition. And so this coming season for F1 is, well, you know, status quo. It's just got to get through it. And then everyone has their eye on being competitive in, in 2022. Is that what USC is that the lot of a USC fan now, too? Like, is is that where USC is? Is that um, all right? So 2021 is now just going to be whatever it's going to be. And you got to stick through it to hopefully get to 2022. And then maybe 2022 will be different. Maybe that's the the year that uh, something changes and something good sparks and something becomes 
uh, the, the, something takes a turn for for more. And I say more because, you know, it, it's unfair to this team to act like they um, didn't give us, you know, didn't give us anything. Uh, the, this team produced some entertainment f- for sure. They they went five and one. That's that's decent. They weren't terrible. They were frustrating, but they weren't terrible. So, like, I'm not trying to sell them short of any accomplishment, but like, they they didn't win the Pac-12, so they did fail this season by my by my view. And so, you know, what are they going to do next season? I mean, the ceiling is the same as it was. Uh, I I think you go into 2021 and you return Keaton Slovis, but you lose a bunch of guys on defense. And you look at and say, okay, USC is probably still going to be the favorite in the Pac-12 South. Um, but are are they going to be any more capable of winning the Pac-12? Oregon's going to be stronger next year. Washington, I think, will probably be stronger next year. ASU could be stronger next year. If UCLA continues on the trajectory that they were in this year, I think they took a step forward. Maybe they'll turn a corner be a bit stronger next year. Uh, ASU is going to have a new coach that's going to be a new challenge to deal with. Colorado was better than anyone thought they were going to be this year. Maybe Carl Durrell keeps keeps that going. So is USC more likely to win the Pac-12? Um, I mean, they couldn't do it this year. I, I think they could do it next year, but let's be real. They're still going to have the same problems that they had this year. They're still going to be in a situation where They'll win some and they'll lose some, and they'll have great moments where the players make incredible plays and put your draw on the floor, and it's awesome. And they're still going to have those moments where great players make huge mistakes and put your draw on the floor, and it's terrible. And like I've, I feel like I've been having the same conversations with people. We've been asked the same questions and asking the same questions and getting the same answers and giving the same answers for years now. And, you know, it felt like it was the same story in 2017 and then 2018 and then 2019 and now 2020 and 2021 is going to be exactly the same. At least that's where I'm at right now with it. So, you know. Is that exciting to know that USC is going to be the same? I mean, I'm ex- like I said, I'm excited to see more Drake London, I, I guess, if I want to put a silver lining on this. More Drake London is good. Um, will I be able to answer the inevitable question that we get this offseason of what's USC's ceiling? What defines success? Is USC a playoff contender? Well, the answer is literally, and I mean literally, going to be the same when June comes around and we're having those conversations. It's, I mean, we could take a clip of Michael and I talking this past June, and I think it'll be the same conversation. I mean, sure, maybe if USC wins the Pac-12, they'll be in line. They, they could compete for the playoff, but... Would I expect them to win a playoff game? No, that's not that's not the level that this coaching staff is. 
And so it, it it just it's very demoralizing. It's it's very demoralizing to have USC sort of prove the Dennis Green of it all. You know, they they are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. Good players. Good moments. Ultimately, they have a ceiling. And like Clay Helton, I have to give him credit. I I said going into the season that the teams that handled it best would be the ones that had the best records and that I was going to care quite a bit about how we saw USC cope. And I think all things considered, USC coped rather well. They went five and one. That's that's pretty decent. That's pretty good. But like, I'm tired of pretty good. <laughs> Am I asking too much to want some greatness from USC? Is is that like, is that too much? Would it be more fun to be a Colorado fan right now? To have potential to feel like yeah we're 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 going somewhere i mean and i don't i don't mean this to to i would never say this and if i say it jake from the what's Bruin show is going to clip it i'm sure he's already clipped half of this just because of how demoralized i am but like would it be better right now to be a ucla fan <laughs> Like UCLA just lost to USC in, in terrible fashion. I mean, in, in, in heartbreaking fashion. But I don't know. Maybe a UCLA fan can come out of this season thinking, you know what? Chip got got that team playing pretty okay. They showed some improvement. Maybe next year will be something a little bit better, something a little bit different. I don't think a USC fan, like, can can you look at this team and look at 2021 and think yeah you know what USC is going to be better next year than they were this year like I don't know marginally so maybe maybe a little bit I mean right now short of uh, short of Amon Ra and ABT and Tuapolotu and Hafanga and all of them miraculously deciding, yeah, we're going to come back for another year. I don't think USC is going to be better next year. Uh, so that's disappointing. Because the ceiling is, is five and like, is the ceiling five and one? Is that really the ceiling? And is, is that okay? I mean, I think it's easy for fans to to sit here and say it's not okay like I don't think it's okay I don't think you guys think it's okay I don't think anyone who listens to this thinks it's okay for the ceiling to be five and one but it sure feels like the ceiling is five and one and sure feels like USC is not going to make a change I mean I would love to be proven wrong that would be outstanding I'm gonna you know I'm probably gonna spend the next month daydreaming about what if (laughs) what if they made that change what if they did it what if they surprised us you know I mean I've been surprised by USC before I thought they were going to lose to to Utah they surprised me and they beat Utah and I thought they were going to have trouble with Washington State and they surprised me and they beat Washington State and you know at halftime of the UCLA game I thought USC was going to lose to UCLA and 
they surprised me and they beat UCLA. So, like, I've been surprised before um, in ways, I guess. But that, as I'm saying that, like, you guys know what that sounds like, right? Like, I'm being a sucker. I'm a sucker. And I think maybe that's what's, like, so frustrating, too, is that I actually told people earlier this week, I actually told people, I kind of I kind of believe in this team. Like, I, I kind of feel like they're going to get it done. And they didn't. <laughs> and that was, you know, that should have been the first sign, right? The, the moment you believe in this team, like, that's the that's the moment. It's just not going to happen, right? That's a it's a really sad sort of place to be in. Um, it's just it's just where USC is though. Like it's a bummer. It's 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 a big bummer. And like I said, I'm not in a good mood. I don't feel well, mentally or physically. Three weeks of of COVID symptoms. I'm not gonna lie, has kind of beaten me down. Um, so maybe I'll feel better. <laughs> maybe I'll feel better later. Maybe, maybe I'll feel different later. But right now I, I just, I'm just very, I'm just very bummed out. And the fun, like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like if USC had won this game, let's say USC miracles it out. USC gets the ball 30, 30 seconds. Left on the clock. They get the ball back. Keaton Slovis, magic. Which wouldn't have surprised anybody because he was awful in this game. By the way, the three interceptions in this game are the three worst of his career. I'll put that out there right now. Now I'd have to go back and review all of the other interceptions in his career, but they sure feel like the three worst of his career. I mean, awful, 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 awful interceptions. And you can't expect to win a game when your quarterback throws three interceptions. You just, you know, it's one of those things. So maybe if that little thing changes, maybe if Keaton Slovis is a degree more accurate in this game, USC wins. Whatever it is, USC wins this game. And do I, I mean, I probably feel better because I get to at least come on here and say, well, USC's Pac-12 champions. What more do you want? We knew that this staff wasn't uh, capable of getting to the, them to the playoff. I would have already been able to tell you that before the season, but they got it done. They won the Pac-12. This team lives to win the Pac-12. Put more uh, Every time you can put a Pac-12 championship in the record book, you take it. Great. Good on them. They get to celebrate. It's always great seeing the players celebrate. Um, it, it would be a moment where, you know, it felt like Talano Hafanga got what he deserved. And Elijah Vera Tucker got what he deserved to be part of that kind of team that won, that won something like that. Like there would be a gratification. So I wouldn't necessarily feel the same level of of, of disappointment, but I, I, I probably would still sit here and and tell you like I don't know. I'm not looking forward to 2021. Even if USC had won the Pac-12, I'd. I don't know that I would sit here and say, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what USC can accomplish in 2021. Like, <laughs> not really, because I don't think they can accomplish much more than they've already accomplished. Um, well, they didn't accomplish Pac-12 title this year, so they can accomplish more next year, I suppose. But will they? I mean, it'll only get harder from here. So... 
so yeah i mean <sighs> yeah i don't know guys like i don't know what else to say i don't know what else to to talk about i don't know like i said drake london maybe i'm just gonna like live off of drake london wake up each morning and just watch a drake london highlight and remind myself that football is fun that football can be fun um Maybe I'll get to watch Talano Hufanga in the NFL carve out a, a really great career for himself, and that'll be gratifying, maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't want to do... I don't want to... I just... I don't want to do this another year. Not that I don't want to... Like, I love my job. I love podcasting. I love interacting with all of you. I love... You know, it's a great privilege to be able to do this, but... I don't want to do this, this, this purgatory of medium. I, I, I don't want to have to be in this constant tug of war of, well, it's not as bad as people are saying it is, but it's also not great. So I'm just going to sit in the middle having both sides yell at me for being too negative or too positive, you know, like I just don't want to do that anymore. Um, I, I, just very tiring very tiring to follow this team and like I don't know I, I don't know I know people feel the same way as I do because I interact with enough of you to know that you guys feel the same way as I do um, to, with varying degrees of you know anger and cursing and and all of that kind of stuff uh, I, I know it's out there for sure I'm just curious, like, how much longer do you put up with it? How much, like, I don't know. It. it how many more people are we going to see say, I gave up my season tickets this year? How many more people are we going to see say, you know, I used to be a member of Cardinal and Golden, now I'm not. Um, how many people are going to just turn off the TV? I'm too much of a sucker to do it. I know this about myself. Like, I'm going to keep coming back. I'm just being honest here. I'm going to keep coming back because I am the ultimate sucker. But, uh, you know, how many of you are? I, I'd, I'd be curious to know. I'd be curious to know where everyone's head is at at this point. Because I think the anger, I think I'm not running on anger anymore. I like when I'm running on anger. I think you guys like it too. I think everyone loves a car cast where I just get on there and rant. And maybe I could have done that today. I don't I don't know. Maybe I should have devoted more time to just saying how pathetic this performance was. I mean, I could have given you a 20-minute rant about I did give you a 20-minute rant about Kevin Thibodeau. So there you go. But could have given you a 20-minute rant about Keaton Slovis looking like a deer in the headlights. Could have given you a 20-minute rant about the mistakes that the defense made, that late hit penalty or the unnecessary roughness on Isaiah Polamau and Kanai Mauga and <laughs> all of those things. I could have given you some ranting about that, but you need to have, like, in order for me to rant like that, I need to, I need to be worked up, you know, like to be angry or at least irritated. And I, I'm not angry. 
I'm not irritated. I'm like, I can't even be angry about this performance except for the Kayvon Thibodeau thing that I am angry about that. But I can't even be angry about this performance because it's the same. Like, it's not like we didn't all see it coming. It's, it's, it's not like it wasn't the same thing that we've seen this whole time. So what is there? What is there? What What is there more to say? What is there more to say? It's just, it's just Groundhog's Day. Actually, that's a good analogy. In the movie Groundhog's Day, Bill Murray's character, he goes through the stages of, of grief and he like tries to commit suicide a bunch of times and he goes crazy, you know, picking up women and he does all the, you know, all of those things. And then he sort of just gets to a point where he's just like, I'm over it. Like, <laughs> like that point where you're just like, well, I guess today's that same day again. I'm over it. <laughs> the good news is that Bill Murray eventually in that game finds per- in that uh, movie finds purpose and meaning and uh, and has a happy ending. Becomes a better person for it. So, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that means we'll all be better for it. We'll all be better for it. I mean, that that is the argument, right? The argument, and Michael would be able to tell you this uh, if he could speak <laughs> without coughing. Um, <clears throat> that uh, when he grew up, when he was growing up, USC was, was not good. It, he grew up in the 90s, obviously. And uh, this was before I became a football fan. So... Like, I don't really remember this era of USC football. I came in, my USC football fandom was born with Pete Carroll and the great teams of that era. And so my perception of USC is being at that level. Um, but when USC, when when Michael was a kid, he always talks about how, you know, USC was not good. And so it was really exciting when USC was good because it was unexpected. Like and that was that made the rise under Pete Carroll all the greater because he was used to USC letting him down. He was used to USC being a screw up. And maybe that's that's where USC that's where, you know, not that things work out like this all the time, but like maybe that's where we're at as far as uh, where USC is, is that um the silver lining here. I just watched Silver Linings Playbook uh, last night and uh, I love that movie. But the silver lining here is that each one of these years that we go through that are painful, <laughs> uh, maybe we'll appreciate it more. Maybe we'll appreciate it more when USC uh, breaks out of this uh, this malaise. And actually lives up to their potential. We'll appreciate it a little bit more. I don't know. Just a thought. Oh gosh. I mean, the hour is up. This has been a therapy session. It's it's we're we're about an hour. So the therapist would be looking at the watch, saying, "You know, it's time to go. We'll see you next week." Um. So, <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize if you guys didn't enjoy this. I really do. I I don't know what else I can give, <laughs> I can give you at this point. Um, it's just where I'm at. 
Jeez. All right. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna end it there. Um, thank you guys as always for listening. Uh, thank you to everybody who has uh, sent out well wishes to us this week. Um, we will have a an episode of uh, an organ fallout episode for you early uh, next week. Hopefully, cross your fingers. Michael will be available for that one. We will see how his cough progresses but the very least um i should be able to to deliver that for you guys uh with the uh with the weekend a little longer than normal hopefully i'm able to um you know get one step further away from uh from this covid fatigue and see where we go um but uh, yeah thank you guys for sticking with us um i hope you guys stick with us i i don't i don't want this show to not be fun and entertaining um that's what we want Randatory Radio to be. And so I hope you guys keep coming back uh, and 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 get something out of uh, the episodes that we put out. I really do hope that. Um, and if you do, then thank you. <laughs> uh, if you leave us a review, thank you very much. If you are a member of the Patreon, thank you especially for um, sticking with us through what has been like i said a, a a tough three weeks tough few weeks so um you know on onward and upward we're we're gonna be chugging along here at rana troy hope you guys are all chugging along in your lives um hope you guys are ready for as merry a christmas as you can uh muster or as happy a hanukkah as you can uh put out there or as happy a whatever celebration you celebrate um yeah, I'm just I'm I'm gonna end this. <laughs> I just gotta end it. Sorry, guys. Uh, thanks again. Find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Omni Studios, uh, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, find us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Reign of Troy. Find us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Um, our email is Reign of Troy at Fansided.com. Still having issues with the email, so hopefully we get those resolved sooner than later. Uh, but you may, you probably are still better off calling the rant line 213-373-1872 to leave a message, uh, leave a voicemail, or you can text, shoot us a text if you're sort of more interested in sort of the emaily kind of uh, kind of discussion. Um, you can always text that number as well, and we'll get those texts and we'll be able to put them in the mailbag as well. Uh, or shoot us a, a message on Facebook or um, you can find me you can find me on Instagram too I mean we don't have a a reign of Troy Instagram but uh, I am there and uh, do want to give a I don't even know if, if anyone is listening still but if if you are I give a little bit of a shout out uh, to to uh, to Brandon uh, who have been chatting with on Instagram you know just just chatting about USC and, and the state of the program and all that kind of stuff so if you guys want to, you know, get in contact with the show, there are a lot of ways to find us. Um, and that's, you know, we want to have that dialogue. Um, you guys got to hear me be super depressed and give you guys a, <laughs> treat you guys like my therapist. Well, we're also here to reciprocate. So that's where we're at. I swear I'm ending this show. I'm, I swear I'm ending it. I just need to just end it. I'm sorry. That's it. It's over. Done. USC lost the Pac-12 title game. But we're we're gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. It's Christmas. It's a time of happiness and hot chocolate and 
Santa Claus and Christmas trees and all sorts of fun stuff. So you got to enjoy it. Enjoy all of the things that aren't USC football right now. Uh, enjoy them extra hard. So thanks again, guys. I will catch you later next time we put an episode. Thanks again, and I'll see ya. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.